Navigating the Datascape with Warner Chavez and special guests. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Datascape podcast. Today, we are going to be covering our favorite announcements of the Snowflake Summit 2022. It just wrapped up last week in Las Vegas in the USA. Apparently, over 10,000 people in attendance for the Snowflake Data Platform's premier conference this year, which is pretty amazing. So, uh, today with me, joining me for commentary is my good friend and data architect, Sandeep Aurora. How are you, Sandeep? And introduce yourself to the listeners. Hey, Warner. Hey, I'm doing, doing good, right? And pretty excited to be here. Uh, pretty good announcements that we had last week uh, from the Snowflake Summit. We're going to talk about that, right? But yeah, before that, uh, Sandeep, hey, guys. I'm a cloud architect here at Pythian. Uh, I've, been with work, work, I've been working with Warner for quite some time now and uh, excited to be here. Absolutely. So let's get rolling here because there's a lot of new updates. So first one is Snowflake announced something very interesting. I don't think it's a new technical feature, but it's a new focus for the company. And it is that they are bringing in cybersecurity as a first uh, class citizen workload. So this is very interesting because it's not that they said that they're introducing some sort of specific new feature for cybersecurity, but it looks more like Snowflake is going to try to focus on bringing in cybersecurity workloads into their platform. What do you make of this announcement, Sandeep? Is this a good fit, cybersecurity, if you uh, put Snowflake capabilities together? Yes, I, I think, you know, it's more of a log analytics kind of a feature, at least from what I have read so far, right? Uh, and you can, like, bring in data and run analytics on your data, right? And uh, that can, you know, maybe, and you can even, you know, put ML on top of that to try and figure out the security posture of your infrastructure as well. And, uh, you know, uh, it could also, uh, but again, I mean, to be honest, like, until I see a workload in, in actual practice, I, I, I don't know. I mean, how does this re this feature totally helps a customer? Because most of the platforms that are cloud-based, they already have built-in log analytics features where you can go and you know mm -hmm. do all of that uh, uh, yeah. analysis. Why why would you start from scratch from Snowflake is the exactly. question. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think they they will have to come up with some sort of accelerators, templates, something that sweetens yep. the deal, right? Because otherwise, to your point, why not stay with like the AWS slash GCP slash Azure Security Center, for example, right? Instead exactly. of having to bring in everything to yet another platform and even worse, to code your own stuff, right? Because in all these other platforms, there's already built-in intelligence, like you mentioned ML, right? To right. generate alerts and stuff like that. And uh, Do I have to roll everything from scratch on my own in Snowflake? Then it's not that attractive. So we'll have to wait and see how this develops for sure and see what is it that it really is going to mean that they're bringing in cybersecurity as a first-class workload, right? right? All right, second one. This one, to me, was the biggest one of the show. I don't know, I'll get your opinion, Sandeep, if you, if you have another one later that you think is the biggest one of the show. But to me, this is the biggest one of the show, and it's the introduction of the Unistore engine into Snowflake which basically means that Snowflake is getting into the OLTP space. They are introducing a new type of table called a hybrid table that is built 
for um, what Microsoft calls HTAP, High Transaction Analytical Processing, um, which basically means it's a table or a structure that you can do OLTP operations on. So DML, even with single row locking semantics, and at the same time, transparently run analytics on top. So this opens up Snowflake to not only be an analytical engine and an analytical product, but potentially to now being an engine to develop operational systems. Big surprise for me on this front. I didn't think they were going to open or spend R&D to try to compete in that market. What do you make of this, Sandeep? Good move. Do you see it option? Like, how, how do we decipher this, uh, you know, in terms of uh, what is it going to impact Snowflake going forward, having a, an, an OLTP engine inside? Well, they're calling it a game changer, right? And it is a game changer because having the capability to do both transactional and analytical workload in one system, right? That's basically the wish list, right? So one of the main challenges that most of the companies or most of the you know uh, organizations have is to cross-train their people across different platforms. So maybe their OLTP system is on a different platform, their analytical system is on a different platform. So you need to learn both, right? Mm -hmm. But if both sits on a single platform, right? So that narrows down the gap, the transformation journey, the training transformation journey for that uh, for that organization, because now they just need to lean on a single product and don't have to purchase separate licenses or cross-train their people, right? It sounds great, right? Having said sounds, that, sounds I still great. have yeah. my concerns around this product, right? Uh, because there's not a lot of information that is being published yet. Right. No, this is very early. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Private and, preview right now. Exactly. And and it's it's really underneath the hood. If you if you see, it's just a key value store that you get underneath the hood. It's not mm -hmm. actually a transactional system like you know a database engine that you would get like in a SQL Server or Oracle system. It's a key value store, right? Uh, the results that they have. Yeah, they're requiring a primary key if you want to make a hybrid table because of that, exactly. right? Yes, and, and again. Uh, the results that they have published are pretty promising, like 100 queries per second executed, 95 95% of them completed in 50 seconds, 50 milliseconds or less. That's real good results, right? But you know things about benchmarks, they only work when the vendor does it. And when yeah, you yeah. Try it's not hard to make an artificial result like that. Right. Exactly. So yeah. that, that's that's some of the things that you know uh, I would really like to try on my own and see, right? And things like you know how you're going to do cost management, how you're going to you know set latency expectations, what about indexes, what about how do you do performance tuning, etc. Because around Snowflake, one of the things that we have seen is that there is not a lot that you can do when it comes to performance tuning, right? Mm -hmm. so how do you yeah. tune these? There's yeah. not even there's not even join hints, for example, right? If you yeah. want to force a specific join order. Um, it's not, you have to do it through, uh, temp tables. You, you can't just, you know, specify a hint to follow a specific join order. So this is true though, right? They'll have to introduce a whole set of tools to go along with the hybrid tables, right? To your point, right? right? Indexing, like usually when we're dealing with OLTP, we want some sort of, uh, range indexes could be bitmap indexes and also this approach of the hybrid table is not like Snowflake is inventing it either, right? Oracle and Microsoft have similar features in their products in, in the Oracle database and the SQL server, right? And 
even though those features have existed for a long time and Pythian has hundreds of clients that we manage, I haven't seen these features widespread. Okay, right. so people still architect their systems with operational only, and then they rather move that data over to an analytical system and then run the analytics there. I haven't seen a lot of people adopting the hybrid tables that have already existed in these other established platforms for you know several years. So that's where you know we'll have to see how the market reacts to it, how well it works to to your point to see if people will say okay fine I can just centralize everything on Snowflake from now on or if we'll still see people say something like nah I'd rather just do my operational stuff somewhere else outside of Snowflake and leave Snowflake for what it does best which is the analytical part of, yeah. of the of the house right i think it's it's an investment for uh, the snowflake people right uh, so to your point like you know people continue to use sql server or oracle or other you know relational systems why because time and money has been invested into those products to make them what they are today right so from a snowflake point of view if they want to gain you know more traction in that market they have to spend time and money to make them as uh, to gain the confidence first of all from the customer and provide features that other relational databases provide so it's a start right but it will take a lot of time before yeah you know, that's the thing right so it's a start but they are many 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 years behind in the oltp space right right like we're talking about this like indexes how is it going to handle indexes what type of indexes well you know like if you look at oracle sql server or even some of the open source right mysql postgresql etc they've all have like so many features at this point so that's what i mean they have to make it really compelling or you know it's going to be hard for people to adopt it as a transactional platform right the, yeah. the analytics is obviously doing really well all right um, i think the use cases that I can think of uh, uh, is, you know, you can still kind of use it as a data lake, the hybrid tables, right? Where you're sending the data. Again, you know, some of them, not all of them, right? Some of the tables can still come in as their original structure. And this can be utilized as kind of a data lake in the Snowflake as of today with what we know. But yeah, we have to probably see a little bit more and get used to some of these products before we can actually say, okay, what would be the use cases? And I would love to see use cases from Snowflake as well, like where they have used it, used it specifically and what applications uh, support or can be built on top of this platform. Yeah, well, related to this about building the application on top of this platform is the next announcement, which is the Snowflake native application framework. So I went again, the, a lot of this stuff is in private preview, so we haven't had hands-on, but just going by the demos that they showed and the documentation, it looks like they are gonna have the native capability of deploying applications through Snowflake, distributed through Snowflake, and placed inside the customer's environment. So you as a vendor of apps, you code the app, and then the app goes and lives inside the client's boundary so that the client's data is never moved to your uh, account, for example, right? All you did was provide the app, client uh, paid for it, it gets distributed through the Snowflake portal for the client, and, and the data never leaves the client's account. So I am assuming 
that this kind of ties into Unistore as well, into right. the idea that, you know, uh, you'll be able to um, deploy or sell or build um, operational applications all inside this Snowflake ecosystem. My thoughts here, do you think is, uh, again, it, to me, it seems interesting, but there's a big barrier of competition to this, right? Yeah, I think this is powered by the other announcement that they had was the uh, Streamlit acquisition. Right? Yes, yeah, this the is Streamlit what acquisition. So they have basically taken one competitor out of uh, business <laughs> and made them, made it their own, right? So that's good news for them, right? But yeah, I think I I also don't have a lot apart from the videos that I've seen. Like you know, uh, like you mentioned, like the best the best thing about this is that you could publish apps and monetize them as well, right? Mm -hmm. And that really helps businesses who are into business of developing data analytics or you know MLOps apps, right? And to that, to your point, the other point of you know putting it into marketplace is that now customers can buy these apps, right? And they don't have to move their data out mm -hmm. through those analytics. They could just run the app, plug in their data run those apps on that data and get the results that they would see, you know, when making a purchase in the marketplace, right? So in terms of, you know, competition, I would say that for people who are using Snowflake, I don't think so there is a lot of competition, right? Because the product itself, when it comes to analytics, is obviously gaining traction and lots of, lots of people are using it. And having that integration within the product is going to you know at least the customers who are already in snowflake they are definitely going to try and uh, leverage the marketplace more and more right uh, apart from that like if because most of the other apps requires you to move at least your metadata out of the system right and that could be troublesome for uh, some customers right so i think that this is definitely going to be an advantage where you know people can obviously sell apps and they have a bigger ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. One of the challenges with Snowflake that I saw when I started using Snowflake for the first time was the ecosystem, right? But it's good to see that they are expanding the horizon, right? They're building more and more products around Snowflake and the ecosystem is expanding as well, which definitely gives customers more advantage as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. And, and to uh, to what you mentioned before, just a quick, note here for the listeners so another another announcement uh from the last couple of days and, and that it got uh, reinforced at the conference is that snowflake acquired a product called streamlit which basically allows you to easily develop in python um, interactive data applications so they took this uh this uh, library it's actually an open source library you can download it and try it yourself if you wanted to and they're going to integrate that into snowflake most likely it is related as sandeep said right that they're gonna use the streamlit acquisition probably add their own ip and code into it and then bundle all this into this new native application framework so that's gonna be pretty pretty it is, interesting it is, it is definitely used because one of the demonstrations that i looked at uh from snowflakes uh, specifically you build your app and everything but for the framework you still depend on streamlit Right, so streamers mm -hmm. is definitely used for uh, the application framework. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. That's probably why you know they went ahead with the acquisition. 
Okay, let's move, uh, switch gears a little bit here to some more technical stuff. So some cool new capabilities to expand what Snowflake is doing in the data lake space. So now there's Iceberg, Apache Iceberg, and Delta table, external table support. So for people that are not familiar with this, both Apache Iceberg and uh, the Delta tables are projects that extend the functionality of what you can do with Parquet files and Spark on open uh, storage formats. So you can do things like asset transactions, for example, on Data Lake. And on top of that, they also announced external tables for some specific vendors of on-prem storage. So there's a hybrid play here now as well. So they said Dell was on board, Pure Storage is on board, and then more the storage vendors are coming in on board. Um, this is a pretty, pretty neat capability as well, again, because opens up Snowflake now to not just do cloud data lake, but potentially mix it with on-prem as well. Any thoughts there, Sandeep? Yeah, it's, it's funny that I recently wrote a blog which talks about building a data lake in AWS, right? But I didn't specifically mm -hmm. mention about the challenges of building a data lake, right? So there you use products like Lake Formation, you use products mm -hmm. like, you know, S3, you use products like Athena, et cetera, to query data, right? Which is what basically Iceberg also does, right? It's it's a open table format, uh, you know, that you can use for uh, queuing uh, big data, right? Because um, mm -hmm. when you have data alone on S3, it, it can cause performance issues with products that is supposed to get the data out, like Hive, et cetera, right? But Iceberg solves all of that problems, right? It solves performance problems, it solves the data consistency problems, et cetera, right? Now that you can integrate your existing data lakes directly with Snowflake rather than using products within the cloud platforms like Athena, et cetera, right, to query that data directly from the data lakes within Snowflake, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's great. I mean, it's amazing, right? Because, again, the wish list is always going to be you stick to a single platform rather than having multiple platforms for developers to go in and look at data or analyze data, et cetera. If you have a single platform where you can, you know, look at everything like your data lakes, your data warehouses, et cetera, that helps break data silos, right? So I think that this is definitely a good move and uh, really excited to test this feature as well. Yeah, absolutely. This is a pretty interesting. And again, it moves them into the arena of on-prem hybrid models, right? So that's something that's pretty cool. A couple of things in terms of performance improvement. So one thing is that they did announce that they did a bunch of transparent optimizations to their performance engine, which say that it includes support for faster and more complex searches, scalability with the same resource footprints for outsized queries, shorter replication schedules, and more interactive use cases. So in general, the faster response time for for queries. And um, along with that, they also announced that they are optimizing to take advantage of the latest hardware improvements from AWS. Over the course of the next 12 months, they will update the hardware that they use for the compute in AWS. They're seeing an average performance improvement of 10% without doing anything, just by moving into um, the latest AWS compute models. So I assume this is also a matter of time until it gets moved into Azure and uh, probably trickle down into Google as well. But anytime I see, you know, performance improvements where the client doesn't do anything, that's a, that's a positive in my book, right? 
yeah, that's good news, right? <laughs> Without yeah, you having to. Exactly. I've never heard anybody complain about that. Exactly. I think one of the reasons why it has been made possible is because AWS, I'm not sure if you've looked at the uh, the recent announcements from AWS in terms of uh, the hardware, the physical hardware they're adding into their data centers. They've announced a lot of new machine types for EC2, which involves Cascade Lake, Ice Lake processors, and even the new uh, processors from AMD, and even mm. their own Graviton processors, uh, which is you know mostly powered. All of these are powered by their new Nitro hypervisor, right? So all of that. Oh yes, uh, I see. Make compute inside of AWS very powerful, right? From my understanding, if they were on an older version of, uh, I guess, the compute that was being used in AWS, AWS themselves say that moving to a newer version gives you a massive boost, not in terms of performance, but also in terms of cost as well. Because now you're running the same thing, the same workload faster, so you're saving compute power, right? Now, the real question is that Snowflake, will Snowflake pass that cost advantage back to the customers? Yes mm -hmm. or no? It should, because I believe you can complete the workload faster, then yes. the compute should just stop, right? And That's you don't true. have to pay, et cetera. But will they, uh, I mean, if they still keep it same in terms of, you know, I'm thinking that this will definitely not just be beneficial from a performance standpoint, but also from a cost, cost standpoint. Right, but again, because this is transparent, I guess we'll never know. Or maybe I can do a test today, and then once it's rolled out in AWS, get the new benchmarks. Right, mm -hmm. so that figure this out. Right, uh, but yeah, this is definitely good, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm really happy to hear this. Yeah, no, that's definitely very interesting. And to your point, um, I, I think it does translate into savings just because people will be able to squeeze that much more performance and uh, and shrink execution time, right? So it should translate into um, better performance and cost savings for um, the end users as well. All right, and related to cost, now we're talking about some new features introduced for cost control. So they're gonna uh, launch a set of features to enhance visibility into costs and limit and control spend. You can create uh, resource groups and set budgets. This is interesting because Snowflake already had a set of cost control capabilities. You could set, um, you could set the alerts when a virtual warehouse had consumed more than X amount of credits. You could even make the virtual warehouse stop when it was right. over a certain amount of credits. Now it looks like you will be able to create resource groups. So say, you know, these particular people that are maybe are part of a specific role have a, a specific budget. So it looks like that's gonna be um, possible and you'll be able to control that spending then against these, these budget allocations. So that's supposed to be in private preview right now. And they're also creating some um, pre-built visualizations to look at usage and cost and also to predict the impact of some of the serverless features like search optimization or query acceleration which are harder to estimate right because the cost of virtual warehouses is not as difficult to estimate because it's a fixed cost for the size of the virtual warehouse but it is a little bit tricky to estimate the cost of some of the serverless operations because by their own nature they just you know, you get charged when they happen, and that's kind of it, right? right. right. So, 
Yeah, so uh, so I think one of the major advantages, at least as per my understanding of this, right? If I were to break costs because of different departments, right, or different data marts inside of Snowflake, as of today, the best way that I could do that is by creating two separate accounts and pushing them in an organization, right? So that would be the best way to do that. But with mm. resource groups, right, if you have separate data marts, you can't just control costs for those two data marts in the different departments, right? But you can also set budgets for them as well, right? Which would kind of, you know, make life a lot easier specifically for customers who have single accounts and not have multiple accounts in the organization. So this is definitely a good feature because I get asked this multiple times, what if we have multiple data marts, right? Can we control budgets, et cetera? Well, we couldn't do it before, but now I think uh, this will provide us the, uh, you know, capability to do that. Yeah, I agree. And then um, something else, governance features. So we have, uh, it's not like over the last year, they've been introducing a lot of new governance stuff they've done. They've introduced tagging. They've introduced uh, the classification as well. And it looks like they are going to uh, allow for tag-based masking. So that'll be cool. Like you create a policy for a data masking and then you don't have to go back and change the policy. You just have to tag the column to uh, apply the mask on it. So that'll be uh, pretty cool. And apparently they're also going to add lineage of data at the column level. You're going to be able to inspect the lineage through a set of new system views. And um, there's going to be a new data governance interface, some sort of report or usage of visualization to give uh, data stewards a way to look at what data is uh, protected with masking policies and how it is tagged. Now this, um, I think this is great in general. All these governance features, they are, there's so much demand for this in the market right now. And it's yeah. just uh, an obvious space that they need to move into. Um, something that they're kind of missing right now that they're going to have to move into as well. I'm surprised they didn't have anything for this summit. It's more about data cataloging. I think they can do more in the data catalog space, especially because uh, Databricks, which is one of their competitors for sure, has been moving a lot into that data catalog space as well. So, uh, currently, there is only a third-party integration that is available, right, for data cataloging, but Snowflake doesn't have anything on, on its own for that. So, yeah. Uh, to your yeah, first-party capability. I think they're missing a, a stronger first-party capabilities on data cataloging. Right now, it's all based on tagging, and it it's all about like you managing the tagging and some queries that you can write to recover what objects are tagged and stuff like that. Um, but I think they're missing more of a proper data dictionary feature, right? I right. think that's something that they are going to have to work on. Right. But yeah, I, 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 so the funny thing is that very recently, a few months back, a customer asked me like, you know, for data masking specifically and how they can deal with it, right? And I told them that currently, if you have to do this, it's role-based, right? And they asked me specifically a question, can we do it based on bags, right? Now, mm -hmm. when I talk to them again, which is going to happen in a couple of months, right? When we start implementation of this project, right? The good thing is that we will be able to tell them that, yes, it is going to be available. Right now, it's in private review, so we can't test it, right? But 
probably in public review in a couple of months time period. And by the time we start implementing or we are in the middle of implementing something like this, we'll probably have this feature already there, right? So yeah, that this one definitely is a good one to have, right? Because I was tired of just seeing role-based access. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty cool. And and again, the stuff that um, they need to keep doing to stay competitive, right? This is right. the thing about Snowflake. It is in, in an extremely competitive market space, right? And their main competitors are people with deep, deep pockets, right? Microsoft, um, Google, Amazon, Oracle. So they, they definitely need to stay up to date on all these things or um, they just risk getting uh, steamrolled by all these uh, bigger first party uh, public cloud providers, right? Um, right. Related to this, or, and something that Snowflake does really well that none of the other providers do, is the replication between regions and cloud providers. And now they have expanded the replication capability. So now you not only can you replicate databases, but you can also replicate account metadata. So for example, your security configuration will be automatically replicated between regions or cloud providers. And also something that was missing before is the capability to replicate ingestion pipelines. So this is to round out that disaster recovery capability, right? Before it was kind of like a partial uh, DR because it was only databases. Now we're looking at, uh, they're getting closer to do true, real, proper, full, uh, full capability DR across cloud and across region, right? Right, this makes, you know, failover pretty seamless because you know now when you do failover you don't have to rebuild a pipeline or update a pipeline to update connection strings etc right this makes your life i mean it's more of rebuilding a pipeline or maybe having a backup pipeline it's something like that right this makes your life a lot easier because when you do failover your data ingestion can still continue without you know uh, taking some time to you know I guess, read or transform your pipeline to uh, fall back to the DR. So this is definitely a good feature to have the ingestion pipeline replication. Yeah, that's, that's very important, right? To be able to really do uh, true disaster recovery with as minimum um, user uh, intervention as possible, right? So you right. don't have to like redeploy a bunch of different objects, right? And related to the pipeline capability, this one is really cool. And I think this is another thing that was kind of a gap is that we're going to have actual real streaming snow pipes. So previously, the idea was if you had some sort of streaming use case with Snowflake, it was more of support for micro batching, right? The idea would be that you would generate files very frequently and uh, snow pipe would just load those files, you know, once a minute, once every two minutes, something like that. But it wasn't, it was micro batching. It wasn't true streaming to an endpoint. Now they have actual snow pipe streaming in private preview for serverless ingestion. And they're gonna have some sort of mechanism called materialized tables to declare how you want to express or see those streams in a tabular format. So really cool capability here as well opens up some uh, actual new use cases for snowflake right as this could be uh competition for um kafka for example potentially oh, yes. absolutely i was recently you know doing a discovery for one of our customers right and their use case was exactly something similar so they wanted to do real-time reporting 
from their multiple sources, around five to six sources, and they had uh, specific sources where they need data to be published and be made available in the data warehouse in real time. When we were using Kafka, and then we recommended Kafka Connect to get data directly into Snowflake. Mm, yeah. But we were specifically told that Kafka Connect, when it dumps data into S3, and they had this mindset that if we use it for Snowflake as well, because it loses messages for when it dumps data into S3. And again, I I understand like you know, uh, it's technically I'm I'm making a statement here that Kafka Connect loses messages, but we had real problem statements. We had uh, you know case number etc. Which we reviewed, and it was proved by the customer that Kafka Connect does lose this did lose messages, right? Hmm. And what we had to do as a backup was we had another utility that the customer had built over a period of time that dumps messages into S3 and then Snowpipe in the micro batches takes the messages, puts it into Snowflake, where we can, you know, start processing the data, et cetera. Mm -hmm. right? They solved that. You don't really have to, you know, rely on Kafka Connect anymore, right? In that situation. Yeah. And use this, right? You could and, just and simplify your, your architecture quite a bit. Yeah. If all you were using Kafka for was for uh, for this particular piece, obviously people have way more use cases for Kafka in general, but for this particular piece, you could simplify quite a bit of the uh, of the infrastructure. And um, I, I think this is also something that um, will, will tie into all some of these other um, announcements, right? Everything kind of like comes in as like, cohesive uh, or will be cohesive down the line, right? Will you be able to maybe, you know, sell a native application that it, uh, when you deploy the native application, it uh, it creates a streaming, a snow pipe on your account, and then you stream the data and then it just populates the app and you'll be able to see everything, right? Like there's a lot of potential use cases um with uh bringing all these things together what's the main challenge you have had with uh, you know uh, streaming data or you know when you have large amount of data and you get streaming and batch data what's the main challenge you have had with the schema specifically well uh, usually it's one of the biggest challenges is to uh do transformations right to do the transformations uh on the fly and integrate them back into an analytical schema, right? That usually um, it it uh, decreases the speed at which you can publish the data, even though you might be consuming it in real time. So that's gonna be one piece where these materialized tables might come in to try to solve this problem. Microsoft what has- to, What if you wanted to transform the data inside of Snowflake? What do you do that? Like, how does it get triggered in real time? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Right, but it looks like these materialized tables will just—it will be Snowflake under the under the scenes will be constantly recomputing the result, kind of like a Spark uh, structure streaming, right? right. So I, th I think that's kind of like what is going to be happening, right? When you query or or maybe Snowflake under the covers will not be recomputing it, but it will compute it when you run. Uh, select query against the materialized table, right? We're all, this is, a, by the way, everybody listening to this, this is just, this is all, con, you know, us making hypotheses of how these things might work. 
because it's all private preview right now. Materialized tables are actually not even in private preview. They're currently being developed by Snowflake. So this is just us trying to guess what's, what's going to be uh, available in the future. Yeah. Well, one thing, one of the other challenges, like, you know, that I have had specifically with these kind of pipelines is schema evolution, right? Mm -hmm. And Snowpipe solves that as well. So it provides support for new columns. It has ability to do null detection as well, right? So you can assign roles for, you know, who manages and how schema evolution is managed, right? So that is also another advantage when they added this feature to Snowpipe. They also kind of handled, again, you need to use JSON for that, like specifically mm -hmm. the format that you're doing in Jessionist, but Snowpipe underneath the hood will solve that problem as well if you're using JSON, you know. Uh, but one of the specific questions that when I heard about this feature was like, you know, do you get a notification when, you know, schema evolves? Mm. And that is no, it's not available yet, mm. right? Schema evolution can be handled right by Snowpipe now, but it would be interesting to see that if they roll out a notification for that as well, because that would mean that this would create a specific Jira ticket, right, where the developer will automatically be notified that there is schema changes, and if they need to make changes into their maybe data validations or maybe into their transformations, etc., they can go ahead and do that, right? So yes, this is mm. definitely you know. Yeah. This, Workload. Well, it's, if it's, you can fire a notification, you, you, I mean, in your case, you're saying, well, there's a use case here to notify through like a Jira ticket, for example, but you, it, on top of that, you could fire a workflow, right? Yes. Something yes. downstream that will take the description of the change in the schema, maybe change something in, let's say like, a, if you have like a data vault or you have a star schema, it will actually change the the scheme of what's presented to the end user. I mean, that could be another potential use case for being able to automate it, right? To get a notification and do something about it, right? Right, absolutely. It's not available yet, right? But I'm hoping that it will be. And uh, that will, you know, make life a lot easier with streaming data, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Something uh, small, a small. I guess it's a small thing in the grand scheme of things, but a big thing for Snowflake is that they are going to have Snowflake worksheets for Python. So this is something that you and I had talked about before, is that they must have been working on implementing a notebook type of interface right. uh, into the Snowflake portal, where lo and behold, here it is. Now we know that they are working on it. It's currently in private preview. And you'll be able to have your Python Snowpark data frame code uh, all inside Snowflake with worksheets for Python. So that's a that's a neat development. We kind of knew that was coming. Uh, yeah, it was, was kind of inevitable. Yes. When we talked about last time, right, this was kind of something that, you know, we probably would see it at some point. And here it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, then the another thing, another this one I think is very cool. This one is something that uh, Google, I think Google is the, I don't know, maybe somebody else did it before Google, but the first one that I'm aware that did ML in SQL was BigQuery, right? The ability to train and score integrated with SQL syntax, no need to go out into, you know, writing Python or writing uh, Java or Scala or anything else. Um, I think to my to my uh, understanding or at least for me the first one that did it was bigquery now we're going to see it in snowflake it is also in private preview right now 
it basically allows you to uh, create uh, models and to score against those models with just an embedded SQL, uh, an augmented SQL syntax. So analysts, other SQL users will be able to do ML work right away there just by using SQL. They are starting with uh, enabling time series forecasting as their first um, native ML um, in SQL capability, but obviously the idea is that they will expand to additional types of models down the line. This I, re I love these features, all these features that just bring ML to more and more people and they decrease the barrier of entry for people that want to do ML. I'm a big, big fan of all these types of features. Yes, yes. Uh, so when, you know, features like AI and ML was launched, one of the main trouble, to your point, like one of the main trouble that people had adopting it, it was, you know, the models that they have to develop, it was difficult. They had to learn something new, which, you know, people couldn't wrap their head around, right? And and they start, they didn't adopt those, not, not everyone adopted it, right? But now the next phase where all of this is going is, is, you know, how do you make this easier for everyone, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And this is where this announcement definitely is moving towards that direction. And a little bit off track, right? From what I see is that Snowflake probably sees BigQuery as their main competitor out there in the market, right? Because most of the features that Snowflake has launched over the period of time, it either correlates with what BigQuery has already done or is trying to beat BigQuery at some point, right? Mm. <laughs> so I think that's what, you know, they see BigQuery as their main competitor, but it's good, right? Because the more the competition, the better. Yeah, I see them as, I mean, they're obviously competitors, um, but right now they they just have different focuses too right yeah. and, and but i i definitely think that for a lot of people the advantage for either one of them is that they're just plug and play both snowflake and bigquery have this as part of their core design fundamental right is that you should not need to know anything about optimizing an analytics engine all you should need to know is how to load data in and that's it right so that's that's where mm -hmm. i definitely see the the value and the market fit that we often see people going either with bigquery or snowflake because they like this you know hands-off approach just load the data off you go kind of thing right right all right <clears throat> a couple of uh rounding up the hour a couple of uh more announcements one is one that I think is just the first of where we're going to see way more, for example, is new SaaS connectors to bring data into Snowflake. Announcing in private preview, there's ServiceNow data connector. So if you use ServiceNow for your IT uh, management and your ticketing, etc., you will be able to seamlessly bring your data from ServiceNow into Snowflake. So this makes a lot of sense. And I think this is just, you know, first of many, we're probably going to see them enabling okay. a lot of these SaaS integrations. Right, yeah, this this really, again, this is, you know, what we were talking about earlier as well, building that ecosystem, right? Uh, and, you know, get more and more partner integrations in, which is going to, you know, be advantageous for the customers because now they can look at Snowflake as a single platform for most of their workloads rather than looking at different, different, you know, resources or building something custom uh, before they start integrating uh, overall workloads and data yeah. inside. 
single platform. Yeah. And there's some good easy fits. Like they'll probably start going after the ERP market too. So we yeah. could see integrations with like SAP. We could see integrations with Dynamics, um, Salesforce. Um, what else? Marketo, for example, on the marketing side. There could be integrations on the customer analytics side, right? Imagine like a Google Analytics integration or Facebook Analytics integration. I mean, all these are uh, the sky's the limit in this regard, right? If you can easily just no ETL, right? All just like click, click, <laughs> integrated, come in, then that that's really where the value is, right? To enable people to build really complex um, solutions, but build them in a very simple way. Right. right, and a part of that could be CRM as well, right, yeah. as an integration. Uh, why I specifically brought it up is because I recently talked to a customer who wanted to migrate off of Snowflake to Synapse. The okay. main reason, it was not cost. The reason, the main reason was not cost. It was just CRM driven, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, having an integration like that, like now this could be one of the drivers, like why having these connectors yeah. is actually going to be helpful. Interesting, yep. Makes sense. All right. And last one today is the announcement of global clean data room. So this is a, an announcement of more capabilities of data sharing. I And you and I have talked about this, but Snowflake has, it really has one of the, if not the best set of data sharing capabilities out of all these big MPP cloud warehouses right now. Um, one limit that they had before though, is that if you wanted to share data, you had to share it off to a region and cloud provider that would match your consumer. So that was a limitation. Apparently now we're going to have global data clean rooms. So this is in private preview and will allow you to share your data and collaborate well, regardless of whether the partner's or consumer's account is in a different cloud or a different region. And this, again, to me, probably this could be another, uh, other than the Unistore, this to me, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't mentioned as a big, big announcement. It just kind of like slipped through uh, on the conference. But thinking of the implications, to me, this is a really, really big deal, right? Because this is, uh, you know, how Snowflake kind of, um, rebranded their whole on a uh, uh, global network as the snow grid. Like this to me is like, this it really shows if they do this transparently, then it does really materialize that idea of the snow grid, right? That it right. doesn't matter what provider you're in or what region you're in, as long as you're on the snowflake rails, uh, quote unquote, then you'll be able to share seamlessly with any consumer as long as you're both on Snowflake, regardless of region or cloud provider. Big game changer, in my opinion. No, absolutely. This is one of the most common questions that, you know, I at least get asked by the client, right? Where they have a producer and they want to consume some data from another, you know, uh, producer. But the problem is that that platform is on a separate cloud provider, right? And then you have to complete create a complex replication environment within the same cloud provider, then maybe do ETL into your before you can consume the data or have two different accounts as consumers. One as your producer and one as a consumer account in a separate cloud platform. And the integration becomes a lot more difficult, mm -hmm. right? And one of the things that they advertise it that Snowflake, you know, solves 
what data silos, right? This did create data silos because yeah. now you have two different cloud platforms and two different Snowflake accounts and two different cloud platforms, and there's no one good way to integrate data between the two, right? So this solves that, right? And to your point with the global network, right? This is a step in the right direction, right? And definitely this is going to solve, uh, in, in fact, I think when this becomes, uh, you know, uh, once this is in for generally use, right? Uh, a lot of the clients that have adopted to the previous model where they have different cloud specific accounts in AWS maybe, uh, where, where their main producer account is in Azure or GCP, et cetera, right? They will definitely make use of this feature. So to your point, it is definitely a massive announcement and uh, this will make a lot of people a lot happier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think so. And I think it's because a lot of people, um, they know about Snowflake and they've maybe they've used the data sharing a little bit, but they haven't done like a deep dive on some of the limitations that you hit once you really try to um, do uh, data sharing, for example, like this across regions and across clouds. And um, now with this, it's just going to be seamless for everybody. So definitely will open up the use of data sharing a lot, right? Because if you make it really simple, then people are going to do it um a lot more right so this totally makes sense to go into this direction we'll have to wait and see as well in terms of cost whether you know global sharing might have some increased cost right because snowflake might need to sync more copies of your data and so on we don't really know these details yet feature is in private preview all right well that's those are the main announcements that sandeep and i wanted to cover for today the list is not exhaustive if you want to check out the whole list of announcements then head over to snowflake.com go to their blog section and they have all the articles uh, related to all these announcements that we covered and more and as usual we will keep everybody up to date on all the big industry conferences and all the big announcements until next time Thanks for listening. Thank you, Sandeep, for joining me today as well. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for having me. Thank you again, and bye-bye. Navigating the Datascape. <laughs>